make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I'm puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. And welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Glad you guys could be with me here on this Friday. We made it to Friday. Poor Dominic missed Tiesto Thursday. Mackenzie missed Tiesto Thursday. I now miss Tiesto Thursday. But we made it here to a Friday. And hopefully we have ourselves a nice Friday night. I was telling Mackenzie before we got underway. Like, oh, no. I, I mean, it's one of those days where I've been doing so good in regards to getting myself all ready to go. Getting myself all ready. Eating right. Feeling good. You know, like going through my routines. And then today, uh, listen. I don't know. Today was not the greatest day in the world when it came to, hey, we're going to have a bunch of protein shakes and eat all right. Today was not the greatest day in the world for discipline, Jonathan. We kind of let that go out the window just a little bit. So we're going to we're gonna try to make sure that we, we get back on track here and then we have ourselves a nice evening. And hopefully uh, we can go into the weekend on a high note and then we can continue the weekend and uh, we can just kind of get this thing rolling. I want to I tell you guys off the rip. Because I spent a lot of time earlier today getting things ready for CBS Sports Radio for Nick Wilson. Nick Wilson is going to be on Saturday on CBS Sports Radio. So what's kind of fun, we're ham and egging it a little bit. I was on last Saturday. Nick Wilson's on this Saturday. I'll be on next Saturday. But Nick's making his national debut tomorrow night. And uh, my boss told me, he said, please, please, like, you know, tell the people that they, they, you know, if they want to listen, they should listen in. Nick's making his debut. And I told him, I said, I'll tell my people. Because I know Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin is a little bit of a different audience than maybe what Nick's show is or maybe what uh, Baskin and Phelps is or what you know the morning show is. It's a little bit of a different audience. And I love that about you guys. And then he, he made the comment. He goes, because uh, it was the last weekend I tweeted it out. And at Jay Peterlin's where you can find some of this stuff. I'm not the world's greatest tweeter. In fact, my wife made a very good observation the other day. She's like, you really, you just love radio. You don't love putting yourself out there in any other capacity, do you? And I'm like, nope. No, I do not. And sometimes I like when my wife, uh, you know, psychoanalyzes me because one, nobody in the world knows me better than her. But two, she's also always dead on. I didn't think I was in the slightest way, you know, being able to be figured out by anyone in life until I met my wife. And then she just knows what I want before I even know what I want half the time. And she's like, yeah, you don't like doing any of that stuff. And I'm like, no, I really don't. And it's very freeing that you're able to say that because I really don't enjoy it. But every now and then I'll tweet something out if it's, if it's funny to me. And I tweeted out a photo of the call screen line as we were talking about the AFC title game and we're talking about the Ravens and the Chiefs and I'm getting everyone set up with my analysis of it. I'm yelling about Lamar Jackson and Sid Capone had called in. And so I tweeted that out. And then today my boss is like, yep, get as many people as you want, you know, tell them to, to go watch and, and enjoy and go listen to Nick Wilson on Saturday. I'm like, I will I'll send them all over. And he goes, you don't have to send Sid Capone though. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'll send Sid Capone. Sid Capone would be great. He's like, I don't know that the National Airways needs Sid Capone. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe Sid Capone just needs to stay local and then uh, the occasional time when I'm on. So anybody but our buddy Sid Capone, okay? Because I don't know that Nick Wilson wants a joke of the day on the National Airwaves. So I'm sending everyone else to call Nick, to uh, wish him the very best, and to uh, please, please listen in 
on Saturday as he makes his debut and he goes five hours of national radio, which is a lot of fun. And it's it's interesting because, you know, Nick has been doing radio for so long. And, you know, I, I in Houston, I did national radio, I did network radio. So coming here and now I've been at the network for now two and a half years, going on, going on about three years of doing shows on the network. And, you know, it just doesn't ever get old. And you, you just you don't take it for granted. It's a very cool thing I get to do in my career. And uh, you never forget the first time you get to do that. And I, I, I sometimes, you, you, you know, you kind of take it for granted a little bit. But then when you get to see people having their first chance, for, especially for someone like Nick, who's been in it for, you know, he's been doing radio for 15 years. He's been doing it for such a long time. To have him have that first is such a cool thing. So please listen to Nick and then uh, let's get into tonight's show. So on Nick's show, where he does five hours a day, which is how I know he's very well equipped to go ahead. Yeah, I hit the microphone with my finger. That's what that was. Apologies. Uh, where he's very well equipped to do five hours. He had Zach Jackson on earlier today. I have been living with the belief that Ken Dorsey is not going to be the one calling plays. I've told you this time and time again for numerous reasons. The biggest reason to me is that I genuinely do believe that Kevin Stefanski thinks he's Kyle Shanahan. He thinks he's Sean McVay. He thinks he's Boy Wonder. What he got hired to do and what he thinks he's great at is the same thing, and that is call plays. He thinks he is a master when it comes to being able to dial up plays, to have those fun, unique plays that catch people off guard, and when to know uh, to really step on the gas and when not to. I really do firmly believe when he lays his head down at night. No, You might say he's a little delulu. Uh, you, might, you might say that he's a little delusional. Okay, fine. But kind of like how you tell me I'm delusional, if I say, oh, yeah, I think I'm pretty good at radio. You'd be like, oh, you're delusional. What are you doing? You think you no, no, it's all right. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right to believe in yourself every now and then. It's okay to think you're good, especially when the world has told me X amount of things, and that's fine. I'm all right with I can live with that, right? When it comes to Stefanski, it's not like he's got 27 million people from the very top of his profession to him. There are 32 head coaches. Half the league doesn't call plays while being a head coach as it is. What number are we at? Like 10 people, realistically, that are as good or better than Kevin Stefanski at calling plays on the entire planet Earth? That's where I talk about my radio side of things. Like I, I'm in I'm in Cleveland, which is market, it's around 30 or so in radio, but it's different because we're a three-sport town, and this station actually gets a bunch of listeners, so the appeal to it is much higher than some of the other stations across the country. Like you can do radio in a lot of different markets that are technically a better market as far as the uh, the numbers concerned, like like 24 or 25 or market 17 or market 14. But a lot of them either A, have really lousy sports fans, or B, have really lousy program sports stations that don't get the listeners that we get. So if you wanted to really break it down, I would say we're probably, if, being conservative, we are probably one of the top 10 sports markets, like right on the fringe, 10, 11, 12, based off of listeners, based off of passionate fans, based off of everything else that you would really kind of group that into. How many broadcasters are there from me to Colin Coward? 50? Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, like when you really think about it, the amount of people that have these jobs, there's like six or seven in each radio station across every single city. Chicago, for instance, has six full-time Radio host at 670 The Score, it's like there's not a million of them. It doesn't work that way. So like to think you're decent or to think you're somewhere closer than maybe you would, eh, it's not unheard of. For Kevin Stefanski to think that he is 
that close to Sean McVay? There's like 10 people. Like 10 people between him and Kyle Shanahan. It's not that many people. 10 people between him and Andy Reid. It's not a crazy high number. And so I always thought he loved that. And I always thought he really thought that this was his specialty and this is what he does best. And I got no evidence to tell him that he isn't anything but great when it comes to making the play calls. So I told you guys for about a week now that I'd be shocked if he gives up the play calling duties, but I'm also no idiot. When you start hearing people in the media speak a certain way, it typically comes from the understanding that they know something that they either can't say or they know something that they have on good authority but are just going to wait and see how this one plays out. Now, I haven't talked to Zach personally. You guys know I do know Zach. Uh, every every year we do the uh, the golfing tournament together. It's always funny. It's me, him, and Dustin. We do this golfing tournament where they light up the, the what, what you do with it. It's kind of fascinating, actually. So it's a uh, it's like a it's a it's a it's a golf tournament where you line the fairways up with a bunch of lights and the greens. Basically, have you know the big lights they use to like light up football fields on Friday night? Like they take like a bunch of those high powered lights and they put them over the greens, and you get to play. Golf at night, and I do that every year with Zach and every year with Dustin, and we're always in uh, we're in a, a a foursome there, and it's just a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I, so I know Zach, I like Zach a lot. I appreciate what Zach has to do as far as his job is concerned. I have not talked to Zach on this, so if you guys are thinking I am speaking for Zach, I am not. I'll let Zach speak for himself. This was him on afternoon drive, and again, just pay attention to the words because I think I think if what he says is true, we got a lot to discuss. The fact that they won't say it and it hasn't been said tells me that Ken Dorsey is going to call a place. Whether that's true or how that will be explained and when that might be explained, if I'm right, and I'm just saying if for now, we will see. But I believe the changes were made to kind of eventually become a wholesale change and and Kevin giving up the play calling would be a big change. So maybe I'll be wrong next week when we talk with Dorsey and some things are addressed and finalized, as I mentioned before. But I I have a partial guess on why they won't say it, and it leads me to thinking that Ken Dorsey is going to be the one calling the place. I was stunned. When I heard the confidence that he had in that, and the way that he was talking around that, and remember, he's in Alabama right now at the Senior Bowl. He is having conversations with people like Andrew Barry. That's where you can see his piece on The Athletic, most recent piece where he talked to people like Andrew Barry. I was stunned. Because in my mind, I didn't think that's what the Ken Dorsey hire was. Now, I've admitted when I'm wrong, and I'll admit if I'm wrong on this one as well, we don't actually know for sure. We'll find that out later next week or early next week, I would imagine, when Ken Dorsey actually does take to the podium and speaks. I would bet he's asked that question, and if they address it, hopefully they'll address it. We can have conversations then. I'm just shocked that this is what this came down to, because I would promise you this was not a Kevin Stefanski decision. I'm going to go back to what Jason Lloyd had to say a couple days ago, that this is not what Kevin Stefanski wants. This is not what Kevin Stefanski's desire would be. Kevin Stefanski wants to call the plays. So you got to ask yourself, if Kevin Stefanski wants to call the plays and Ken Dorsey ends up calling the plays, can we legitimately call this what this is? This is a public demotion. You're still the head coach, so your title doesn't change, but this is a public demotion. There's no way this sits right with Kevin Stefanski. This continues on the journey that Stefanski's been on with the Browns the entire way where he's more a puppet than he is anything else. 
Andrew Barry, Jimmy Haslam, and Paul DePodesta, they just keep pulling the strings, and poor old Kevin Stefanski just keeps playing out their demands, playing out their wishes. This has got to be the most infuriating thing in the world to Stefanski. And he's such a sweetheart of a person. He'll never step out of line. He is so perfect when it comes to saying the right things, being the company man, making sure that he doesn't say anything to upset the apple cart. Hell, I'll give him a gold star. You get a shiny gold star from me in that category and in that discussion. But my goodness, this has got to be the type of thing that absolutely irks him like you wouldn't believe. To the point where I would wonder if they got this thing turned around and headed in the right direction. I would wonder if the luster and appeal for Kevin Stefanski was spread across the NFL and he had desires and somebody contacted him and said, hey, we like what you're doing. I'll give you $15 million to leave the Browns. Something like this would tell me maybe he'd be interested because there's no way Kevin Stefanski thought this was the right idea for Browns football. Zero chance. Out of all the candidates, Ken Dorsey, zero chance. 216474 to below 92. What does this mean for Stefanski? What does this mean for the offense? Does it feel like you'll have a brand new coach if Ken Dorsey actually gets to call the plays? It's where we're starting with you guys on a Friday night. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on the fan. Alrighty, back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Right now, we're talking about Zach Jackson's comments saying Ken Dorsey, he believes, will call the plays. And I'm asking you, what does this mean for Stefanski? This is quite the turn of events, though. It's kind of like how last week we were talking about Bill Callahan and the rhetoric around everyone was like, oh, Bill's staying. He's not going anywhere. He makes two to $3 million per year. He's not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden you saw what happened last night. Bill Callahan going to Tennessee to coach for his son. It's like, well, yeah, that was the obvious conclusion the entire time, wasn't it? This one wasn't obvious to me. If this is what this ends up being, and again, Zach is guessing, but Zach's also at the Senior Bowl, and Zach is in the know. Zach is very knowledgeable. He is plugged in, and he's talking to certain people. And uh, you know, I, when we, I, I want to play it again. I just I don't want to take Zach out of context here in any sort of way. I want you guys to hear it from Zach's mouth because I, I you know every now and then you paraphrase, and people are like, "Well, did he say it? Did he not say it?" Here's Zach Jackson. The fact that they won't say it and it hasn't been said tells me that Ken Dorsey is going to call a place. Whether that's true or how that will be explained and when that might be explained, if I'm right, and I'm just saying if for now, we will see. But I believe the changes were made to kind of eventually become a wholesale change and and Kevin giving up the play calling would be a big change. So maybe I'll be wrong next week when we talk with Dorsey and some things are addressed and finalized, as I mentioned before. But I I have a partial guess on why they won't say it, and it leads me to thinking that Ken Dorsey is going to be the one calling the place. Don't love it. This will feel like a, a brand new coach in many ways, and I didn't want a brand new coach. I know I've been hard on Stefanski at times, but I also have stuck up for Stefanski a lot of the time as well. I'm hard on him because I don't think he's perfect. I think it's really hard to be a perfect coach. I think we all know it's really hard to be a perfect anything, but I think it's really hard to be a perfect head coach, and so I've been hard on him when I need to, but I, I've stuck up for him. I've stuck up for him in a lot of ways, and I I think this is the mistake. I think It's not his call. There is no way I would believe that this was his call, but I don't think it's the right call. I, I don't know who's making the call, if it's Deep Podesta, if it's Barry, I'm not sure. We don't have those answers. I just can't believe in my wildest dreams that this is something that Kevin Stefanski thought to himself, well, this will make the team better. So what he's always told us, right? He'll do whatever makes the team better. I just don't think anyone that acts like him, that is like him, believes that anyone can do this better than he can. 
There's an ego attached to all this. You don't make it to being an offensive-minded head coach without having a little bit of an ego. Check out all the guys that have it. You might think someone like Matt LaFour, Sean McVay, Zach Taylor. You're like, oh, these guys, they don't have that much of an ego. Oh, really? Become a head coach at 35 years old and tell me you don't have an ego. You have an ego. You believe that you're doing something that other people can't be doing right now. I know that. There's no way that any one of these hotshot, wonder boy, young head coaches would be satisfied with this move taking place. You tell Matt LaFour in Green Bay, and he's coming off a great year, but you tell Matt LaFour in Green Bay he's not calling the plays anymore, I don't even want to know where that conversation goes. Tell Zach Taylor, no, you know, we don't want you calling plays anymore. I don't even know what would begin to happen. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, now, the difference here is that every one of those coaches have had has had enough success that it's simply ridiculous to suggest that they wouldn't call plays. I can make an argument for Kevin Stefanski that he's been in such an awkward situation that we've never been able to truly see what would happen if he was given the actual opportunity to call full to call the plays and do it in a full year with a quarterback that can actually do it. Because we got it one time, and he was great with Baker. Outside of that, Baker was injured. Outside of that, we had backup quarterbacks. And and name your quarterback. Pick your choosing. You want to say it's Jacoby Brissett? Okay, fine. You want to say it's Case Keenum? Okay, fine. You want to tell me that it's, uh, again, P.J. Walker, DTR? Okay, fine. And I want to talk to you guys. 216-474-0092. But the reality is that there's just enough guys out there that Stefanski's not been given a fair shake of this. I really firmly do believe that. He likes calling plays. The head coach without calling plays, you do the interviews, which he clearly hates. You go to the team functions as you're a step above being the mascot, which, again, is not anything Stefanski's ever been great at or seem interested in. Some coaches do love that. Not every coach does. The part of football that Stefanski loves is the part where he looks like a genius, and he looks like he knows what he's doing. That's the play calling, and that's putting together the plays. He'll have his input. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think this is what he signed up for. In fact, I know this isn't what he signed up for. It's the type of public demotion that is enough for a coach to try to find his own exit when the time comes. You know, this right here, this job that I have, this is a very public job that I perform. If something goes wrong at my job or something is salacious at my job, I have people text me from all corners of my world. You know, I go to a friend's party, and uh, it's a party for children, right? It's not like a, a big deal. It's just a party for children. And all of a sudden, I have people there I've never met ask me about what happens at my job. 99% of the people listening to this don't know what that what that's like, and that's fine. I It's okay. I Listen, I don't hate this part of my job. I don't. I like this part of my job. I love this job. It's the only job I ever want to have. I'm happy with my job. But that part of life does make it difficult. That very public part of life where you have to understand if something happened to me, if I had a, if I had a, a day where I just went off the rails and lost it, everyone texts me in my life. People know it. They text my wife. People at her work text my life. You know what I mean? Like everyone knows it. It's a, it's a very public job, and that's fine. Again, I sign up for it. Same thing with Stefanski. Stefanski's world is football people, and they're going to see this as what it was. It's not a promotion. It's a demotion of the highest order for Stefanski, and it's got to eat at him. You know, if they all of a sudden said, hey, JP, you're off the night show, 
You get to do it twice a week, and the other three days, you're going to be cutting tape in the background, and you just won't be on the air. You guys would all know that. You'd know that instantly. It's a very public demotion for me. Everyone in my life would know that. That's very different. You know, there, there are people that are listening to this radio station right now that you could get demoted from your job at work, and your wife might not even end up knowing it. Your significant partner might not even end up knowing it. It's different when you're in the public eye a little bit. And with Stefanski, all his football people are seeing right now, all his friends, all his everyone are seeing that the Browns would be telling him, you're not good enough at what you think you're great at. And we think Ken Dorsey's better. Yeah, your head coach. Congratulations, your head coach. You get to do the interviews. And anytime the Haslams donate $20 million to the UH Sports Center, you get to go and Shake hands and kiss babies. Congratulations. And yeah, you get to help with the play calling throughout the week. But you're more mascot than you are play calling genius. You are closer to being the mascot than you are the one that Fox is begging to have you retire if you're Sean McVay because they're lining up to give you $25 million a year to be on their set and talk football. You get lost in the football world. 216474 to below 92. Jason and Avon going to lead us off here on the fan. What's up, Jason? Thank you, JP. Uh, I was wondering what you thought about um, the fact that when they brought Flacco in, the Browns' offense exploded, and you saw Cooper break Browns' records. You saw Njoku do things that we always expected, but uh, finally came to fruition. And so I had a hard time uh, understanding why they would get rid of uh, Van Pelt. It didn't make sense to me, especially uh, Dorsey. Um, they got rid of him because the Buffalo got stagnant. And then, yep. Uh, uh, so anyway, it I became, was wondering if that was, yeah. yeah, I was wondering if you thought that was a worthwhile question is why I get rid of AVP when uh, it was almost like it wasn't, it was the quarterback play and then they got a quarterback in there that could uh, wing it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that offense is dynamic. So, Jason, I'll, I'll answer that. And I, I do appreciate you. Thank you, as always. I So here's Thank what you. I believe Thank happened. You. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what I believe happened. They're going to tell you anything uh, until you're blue in the, in the face that this was all collaborative and this is all one line of thinking and they needed a fresh everything. That's fine. Believe what you want to believe. Here's what I believe and will believe until the end of time. Okay. When you fired Alex Van Pelt and then you fired everybody else and then you change up the play calling, if this is true, we still need this other domino to fall and Zach Jackson suggesting the other domino is going to fall, but we need this other domino to fall. If Ken Dorsey is the one that's calling the plays, I'll believe that all of this came from the very tippy top. It came from Deep Podesta. It came from Haslam. It came from uh, Andrew Barry. It came from all of them. And the idea behind it was you are revamping the offense in a way where you don't fire the head coach because you can't fire him when he wins coach of the year. So you're doing everything in your power to say the offense wasn't good enough. You need something different. We're not going to change up the head coach because that's a little too drastic. We're going to do the next best thing, though, which is effectively fire every part of the offensive side of the ball with the exception of actually Kevin Stefanski. We're going to make him actually just be a head coach and head coach alone. And then the new offensive coordinator is going to be the one that calls the plays, and it'll be the collaborative effort from there. Like, I don't know what to tell Stefanski, but that is the that is the biggest demotion they could possibly give him while keeping him employed. In my estimation. 216474 to below 92. Alan Euclid up next. What's up, Al? 
Jonathan, you're the first person on this station that I think has got it right. Don't second-guess yourself. Zach is 100% wrong. I'll take it a step further. I, I believe, and I guarantee you, that the reason why all those guys were fired is because they second-guessed Stefanski. Stefanski wants to call the plays. He will continue to call the plays. And they got rid of Van Pelt because he was a naysayer. And he wants to be surrounded by yes-men. Hmm. I could see that. He wants somebody that goes along with what he wants to do. Right, yeah. And think about it. One of the people they got rid of was the running back coach. What do you think the running back coach wants to do with the play calling? He wants to run the ball. Stefanski hates running the ball. So get rid of that guy. I think Stump Mitchell was more about the idea that he was leaking out things to the media for being truthful. I think, I think he was a leak, and I think they wanted to plug that leak. But, Al, I, listen, I've, I've remained steadfast. It makes no sense based off of what we know about Stefanski and how he acts and operates that he would ever give up the play calling duty. And you're right. He will continue to call the plays, guaranteed. All right. Thank you, Al. Appreciate you, man. I hope Al calls back if we're both wrong on Monday when they do this press conference. <laughs> I hope he calls back because I've, I've stuck my flag down and I've, I've planted it firmly in the ground of Stefanski would rather I, – I, at one point I suggested he would almost not – he'd rather not have the job than he would give up the play calling because I really do think that's what he thinks he's great at. I think this is what he believes that he was born to do. I, I, just, I think he thinks he's great at it. He thinks he's one of these elite head coaches. He thinks he's one of the very best at it. Every now and then you when you watch him, watch how cute he gets with certain plays. Watch how every now and then he'll call one of these plays that come out of nowhere, and you think to yourself, that was designed to be viral on Twitter. That was You were, you were trying to impress everyone else around the NFL with that play call. You weren't doing that for you. It's kind of like uh, every now and then Lima will call out Ken. And he'll say something about, like, you are doing that take for the, the cameras and the two-minute clip Keith is going to cut up and put out on YouTube. That's what you were doing that for? Like, do the radio show? Sometimes I feel like that with Stefanski. I'm like, you weren't doing that. You weren't doing that for the play calling and the rhythm of the play calling. You were doing that to almost flex out and be like, I know this is going to go viral on Twitter. I know my, my coaching world is going to look at that play, and they're going to think, whoo, Stefanski was in his bag there. What a great play call that was. Sometimes I do really, I really do. I feel that way. But I think he's, I think he's special at it. I really do. And I don't think he's going to give that up. If he does give it up, I don't think it would have been his call in the slightest bit. And on top of it, I'll maintain this as well. I think the offense will go backwards. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Bob up next. What's up, Bob? Uh, I'm totally with you, man. There's no way he's giving up play calling. It, it, that's his genius. That's what he is. And uh, why, why should he? I, I, I don't. Who was the who was the reporter that said that he's going to do this? Zach Jackson from the Athletic. He's very he's very well sourced. He's in Alabama right now. He talked to Andrew Barry. Did a whole article on the Athletic. Like if anybody would know, it would be him. But I I'm having a hard time with this one, Bob. I just can't see uh, Kevin Stefanski filling up water bottles instead of play golf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to do that. What I do question is why the tight ends coach was let go, and uh, Scott Mitchell was doing a hell of a job with our running backs. So that that is really uh, a head scratcher for me, but um, especially the way they ended the regular season was so well, and why they did this whole blow-up, uh, hope, hopefully that's why they make more money than we do, right? I mean, they oh, know what they're doing. They, hopefully they do. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate you, man. Take care, man. All right, good stuff. Yeah, I, you know, again, I'm going to bring something back to radio because everything in my life comes back to radio, but if I, if I had this show right here, and it's not doing well in the ratings, and it's doing very well in the ratings. We're in a good spot. But if it was not doing well in the ratings, 
Uh, and I, I'm not going to fire myself from the show. Like, no. So what's the next best thing that they could do? They're like, hey, you're under contract. We got to keep you. Well, they try to fix everything else around me. They, they would they throw as many wrinkles in there as they possibly can, hoping that they get something right. Don't worry, Dominic. We're in good shape. You're not going anywhere. We're okay. We're fine. All right. We're good. 216-474-0092. What does this mean for Stefanski? Zach Jackson says Ken Dorsey will call the plays. He has not made it anything official. This is just his guess. This is what he believes, but he's very plugged in, and I'm getting a little nervous that this would happen. Do you feel like the offense would take a step back if it does? 216-474-0092. Fan focus at 9 o'clock. It's overtime with Jonathan Pittelin here with you on the fan. I believe he's right. I believe it's dead on. Cam Newton... In my estimation, I've heard that I haven't heard this anywhere else. I've not talked to anybody to verify this. This is just what I believe in how this went down. Cam Newton went on Deshaun Watson's podcast a week ago. But you know, the Lockverse podcast, Lockerverse podcast. He went on there and they did like an hour worth of conversations. At some point, whether it was before the podcast, whether it was after the podcast, at some point, Deshaun Watson and Cam Newton were talking, and Cam Newton said, Hey. Ken Dorsey was my coach in Carolina. We went to the Super Bowl. We won a league MVP. We went 15-1. and one. Quarterback coach, not my offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. You need to give this man a job. He got fired in Buffalo. He's very, very good. Give him a job. And Deshaun Watson, I believe, is impressionable. But Deshaun Watson looks up to Cam Newton as well. And so I feel like Cam Newton's influence on that one was pretty large. I don't think it's an accident that Cam Newton was on a week ago. And then the guy that's closely connected to Cam Newton is all of a sudden hired by the Browns. I just, I can't find that. That's way too coincidental for me. I'm not an idiot. I wasn't born yesterday. I might be stupid when it comes to phone numbers, but I'm not an idiot when it comes to that stuff. 216-474-0092. Paul up next. What's up, Paul? Hey, how you doing? Hey, you know, great point. That's a really, really good point that you brought up. But what, I, what I'm thinking is, okay, so we're stuck with Watson for the next, what, three years? Mm-hmm. Um, guaranteed. Um, let's say, you know, next year's poorly, the year after that is poorly. I mean, do we get rid of them, and who do we blame for it? So I, it, it, there's a couple different questions there. Um, I blame Haslam if it goes poorly, and what's sad about that is that I also am the one that's going to give Haslam a bunch of credit if it goes well, but I know it doesn't work that way for everyone. Where, if, like, if it goes poorly, people will blame Jimmy Haslam. If it goes well, people will give credit to Stefanski. They'll give credit to Barry. They'll give credit to basically everyone but Stefan, uh, but Haslam. I'm an equal opportunity person. I give him the okay. blame, and I also give him the, uh, the credit if it goes well. Absolutely. But, you know, on the flip side, what if – we can sign Flacco for another year and we stick him in near the end like we did this year. Things go well, we make it to the show or even the, you know, the game before. What do we do the year after, even though we're guaranteed? Well, we, yeah, we- I mean, the Joe Flacco thing's not happening, so I can break it down for you quickly. I'll do it for you off the air. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you. Yeah. Pre- All right. Thank you. Sorry to cut you off there. I didn't mean that. Um, Sometimes that happens. I'm sorry. The way his contract is set up, if you were just to say, Deshaun Watson, I'm done with you. We're not playing tomorrow, let's say. We still have $200 million in dead cap money. Because we've been kicking the can down the road, we are going to be paying Deshaun Watson until 2027, some form of some some amount of money. And the last year in 2026, as of right now, it is a $72 million cap, uh, cap hit. Now, The Packers 
took on a heavy cap hit with Aaron Rodgers to not play this last year in Green Bay. And the Buccaneers actually took on a $35 million cap hit on Tom Brady this year. They were paying him $35 million against the cap to not play and to just, you know, not be on the team anymore. Sometimes that's a cost of doing business. I imagine when this thing is all said and done, we'll have something similar like that with Deshaun Watson because we've just continued to kick the can down the road. But they're going to have to do a lot of maneuvering. But yeah, we are, we're, we're tied to Deshaun. You might not love to hear that, but we're tied to Deshaun. There's no, there's no true getting out of that. All right, leave that there. We got the fan focus coming up. Lamar Jackson conversation at 920. Here's a preview of something Ken had to say. Here we go. She loves Keith. Maybe once uh, she'll get to see Uncle Kenny one of these Keith years. Keith is terrible with people. At least Look he's at him. present. Hmm. <laughs> Me and your father have something in common. All right, that's enough. I'm sorry. All right, find out what got Ken to say that. In the fan focus, we do it that and more when we come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan.